Welcome to the Picture Books to Gang podcast. I'm Allie. I'm Corey. I'm Kelly, and we are the Picture Books to Gang. We invite you to join us here every other week while we discuss amazing books and issues in children's literature, as well as early literacy, education, and parenting as it relates to reading. We can't wait to dig in deep and get nerdy about picture books with you. Hello, and welcome back to the Picture Books to Gang podcast. So this week, we are feeling a little bit tired. Aren't you feeling tired at this point in the pandemic too? You are. We all are. I am joined here by my two soothing co-hosts, Allie and Kelly. Hello, everyone. I'm Allie, and I'm here to gently sing you lullabies to sleep. I'm Kelly, and I'm here to softly whisper your favorite stories to you until you drift off into dreamland. Okay, well, I am already going to pass out from your soothing voices. Listeners, you probably have guessed by now that our topic this week is bedtime stories. With the clock turning back and the days getting shorter, suddenly everything around bedtime for small humans is in hard mode. So why not talk about some soothing sleepy tales? I didn't know that the clocks turned back, I think, <laughs> until you told me. And I was like, why are the clocks are all in different, like, kitchen is confused. It also explains why River said she wasn't tired and we made her go to bed anyways. So there's there's something interesting I noticed when we were putting things together for this episode and it's that actually most of our favorite bedtime books were mentioned in our rhyming and keepsake book episode which was recently-ish. I love good rhyming books for bedtime. Something about farms and rhymes and moons, you know, really gets things going. And I wonder if it's kind of like when you're reading a book about food and then you get like really hungry. Maybe that's why all these rhyming moon and farm nighttime books are so good for sleepy time. Yeah, I, I actually agree with that, Ali. Um, I also mentioned several of our most beloved and consistent bedtime reads in the Rhyming and Keepsake episode recently. There's definitely more in our collection that I pulled out. I went and combed our shelves. There is definitely a common theme of rhythm and rhyme and farms in those <laughs> books that isn't as consistent in the rest of our collection. There has to be something to it, like the consistency and rhyme and predictability of it all. It's the routine of certain books or stories over and over that make them soothing, too. Their little brain doesn't have to work as hard. They know what to expect. Yeah, I think that's a huge part of it. And for a solid year, a while back, our last book of the night was absolutely always the Going to Bed book by Sandra Boynton. It was like the signal that it was time for sleep, no more asking for extra books. We all knew it by heart. It was just easy, soothing, predictable. It's probably also no surprise, given that I just admitted that we read the same book every single night for like a year, that my kid is a very routine-oriented little human, and we have a very set bedtime routine every single night. See, but you and I and our household running is the complete opposite <laughs> complete like in every way total opposites because I gotta be honest I would never read the same book every night for a, a year not even for two weeks that's that's a hard no I'm and actually I'm really bad at putting my kids to sleep and I know I'm actually the one that came up with this episode topic as I was falling asleep but as I sat down to write my own advice sage advice on you know sleepy time my husband reminded me that I am really unqualified because I'm 
terrible at it. <laughs> it takes me forever <laughs> to get the kids to sleep, like two hours, easy. Because, you know, they'll be like, one more book. And I'll be like, yeah, okay. And then I'll get angry. And then they'll be like, wow. And then we'll start talking about what we should name our dog. We don't have a dog. Anyways, so that's why it takes two hours. But my husband, also my dad, are both really good at getting my kids to go to sleep really quickly and I should also say my mom because she's definitely listening to this and be like how could you say that your dad was better at me at this <laughs> anyways I I cheat I use breast milk or we just wear each other out and everyone falls asleep crying <laughs> that's quite a picture but nursing the babes to sleep is not cheating it's just smart so um, but I think the thing that your husband and your parents have in common with my family that we have a set routine and the kids know what to expect. They know where the boundary is. They know <laughs> eventually the books will run out and it's time to go to sleep. Yeah. I think the routine is really helpful. When we were talking about this episode, I was thinking about how I was a counselor at a Girl Scout camp and we always had the same routine for the kids. We would get everyone in their bunks and tell maybe an oral story if it was a really big cabin or sometimes read a book if it was a smaller group. Then we would all, all the counselors would walk around and do a hug, handshake, high five with all the campers. And then it was lights out. I really think that that helped the girls know what to expect and develop a new routine for when they were at camp. And it was also the same routine that I had as a camper there, which is like really nice and nostalgic. Oh, that's so cute. And you know, there's really no way that's right or wrong. And for me personally, I'm an anxious alligator as a human. And I thrive on an amount of predictability that might come maybe from not having as much predictability as I would have liked as a child. And now I want to provide that. And this is just what works for us. Like this idea of just kind of doing the same thing in the same order every night. I really like the idea of a routine. I do. <laughs> I think it's lovely. Very Mary Poppins. It just, I can't, I can't, I just can't. But my husband does it. And I'll tell you how he does it. Every day at around 8 p.m., you know, takes them off, whisks them away. They read, you know, and I really enjoy it because pandemic is long and I, I like to be alone in the evening. And he sometimes sings them softly to sleep after they've had three books and he's very firm about it there will only be three that's it but he it, it gets the job done really quickly so i actually decided to go out and find some research about you know helping kids go to sleep and there's research from the university of british columbia that, that routine and consistency are super helpful because it helps set internal sleep and wake rhythms but there was some other interesting things that they outlined that help like incorporating mindfulness into bedtime? Yeah, some of the other tips, all of which we're going to link in the show notes, of course, are about physical activity during the day, using white noise, making sure the room isn't too hot, and incorporating mindfulness into your bedtime routine, and even your daily routines to help release worry and avoiding screens for an hour before bed, which I am 100% guilty of <laughs> never doing. Um, me neither. But... For my child, that is us to a T. We don't allow screens uh, after dinner time. So, and we've just kept that rule consistent. It helps to avoid fights once we've had dinner. There's just no more TV anymore. Easy. 
And part of the reason I'm so obsessed with our routine is probably because in a sleepless cycle of absolute desperation once upon a time, I just read literally all the tips on the internet. I found the end of the internet, guys. I found it. (laughs) And then I just did every single one of them. (laughs) I don't know which one worked because we're still doing all of them. (laughs) It's actually funny. We've talked about this screen time thing before, and I do the exact opposite, of course. My kids... (laughs) Use TV to wind down in the evening, but they're not really allowed to watch it during the day because I find that if I, you know, in the morning or whatever, if they start and they turn it on, they can't just do it for half an hour. They've popped that seal. That's it. So I I avoid it until like I'm cooking dinner and then they can have it until like Betty by time, basically. So every time family is different, no matter what the tips say, you just have to do what works for your family, especially right now in this pandemic. Although I will say what I'm doing doesn't really work for getting them to sleep quickly. (laughs) (laughs) This is like a playbook on what not to do, but it is what you do and it's valid. (laughs) I can't not do it. Okay. (laughs) And you know, I also wonder if more people, including us, are focusing on this now because routines were so disrupted and now they're beginning to settle again, or at least settle into this new normal. And also, just a side note, I feel like all of these tips are also helpful for me, an adult human that doesn't even have to put kids to sleep. And (laughs) (laughs) also, I admit I very frequently have pandemic-related nightmares, so pretty much I'll try anything at this point. You know, I fall asleep listening to a nice calm podcast. We use a diffuser for nice smells, not to cure our ailments, just to make it smell good. <laughs> You're going to out us all as essential oil haters. <laughs> I have never purchased essential oils on principle because, you know, multi-level marketing, also anti-science. It's just really unattractive. But I actually would love to have something nice smelling. I just, it's ruined. <laughs> it's, but I do like nice smells. It's just for the smells and it smells so good. A little citrus. <laughs> so good. More seriously, I also had the nightmare last night. What a giant spider on the ceiling. It was terrible. Maybe if I had essential oils, that's what was missing. (laughs) That would do it. (laughs) Terrible dream. Okay, no, sorry. More seriously, as an adult, I also use a podcast to help myself go to sleep because I can never fall asleep. I'm one of those people that just has like ideas and then I'm like, I should write that down and then... Anyways, can't fall asleep. But I found this podcast and it's called Sleep Cave, which is something that I keep recommending to everyone. And it's a sleep hypnosis guided sleep meditation podcast. And it's very helpful. His voice is very soothing. And I am pretty sure that he doesn't secretly hypnotize you into buying any off-brand vitamins. I'm pretty sure. Like 85 percent <laughs> i haven't bought in any not a hundred percent no not a hundred but no. you know anyways i also don't cluck when i hear a bell ringing so safe not yet anyways <laughs> you were very concerned about that when you first started you had to stay awake to listen to the first one to me i did sure. <laughs> i was very concerned <laughs> and you did you like hashtag influence me and i did try sleep cove cave cove i tried it i just somebody talking to me while I fall asleep, I couldn't deal with it. So I, I was really uneasy and <laughs> just didn't like, I tried it like three nights in a row. Didn't work for me. What has worked for me is I took one of my son's extra white noise machines and I'm now sleeping with white noise and it is life-changing. 
My kid has always used one to fall asleep. It's like a cue. He's an incredible sleeper. I don't know why I resisted using it for myself for so long. It's my new cue to pass out. And it's honestly how we get him to sleep so reliably every single night. We have our bath routine and the books and that all calms him down. But when the white noise machine goes on, it's like 10 minutes and out. Isn't that just the one where it goes... Like yeah, that? it's like a vacuum. I, why? I don't. I don't see how that's sleep-inducing, personally. Well, it's like people that sleep with a fan. Like it's just. I don't know. It's very soothing. It calms all the thoughts in your brain down, and they just melt away. I'll take your word for it. I'll. <laughs> I'll stick with uh, Chris from Sleep Cave. <laughs> I listen to the podcast Wonderful and or Schmanners to go to sleep, which will also be linked below. They're excellent. But anyway, let's talk about the books, though. The right. books. That's yeah. what we really need to get down into. And I must lasso this chaos that we have created. You're the only person that can lasso us. <laughs> so in that vein of talking about incorporating mindfulness, I was reading an article in Parents Magazine while researching for this episode. And there was a great quote from Corey Cocciolo, obviously the best first name a meditation expert, hypnotherapist, and author of the forthcoming Bedtime Meditations for Kids, Quick Calming Exercises to Help Get Kids to Sleep. And so she said that children, that children's needs are no different than adults in many ways because, quote, at bedtime especially, they have a fundamental need to feel safe and comfortable, to feel happy, to not be worried about anything, to feel loved. The key with any meditation practice is to try to create a warm, loving environment that they've participated in, unquote. So books that incorporate that feeling of safety because of familiarity or to help them feel like they can release worry or focus on feeling some happy thoughts about the day to foster that mindfulness concept with kids. And I know all of us love a beautiful book from Cottage Shore Press called Mindful Moments at Bedtime. And Allie and I both also have Sleepy Pebble from Flying Eye, which is lovely too. It's very so soothing. I love the way the mindfulness exercises are woven into that story. And I think it's a great place to start if you're looking to sort of incorporate these practices, but you're not quite sure what to do when. Hey, you now have both told me about Sleepy Pebble. I have to go get it because it look, first of all, it looks beautiful, but second of all, it just sounds like exactly the right kind of book for us. So I'll have to track it down. Mindful Moments at Bedtime, though. I absolutely adore this book. I'm over the moon obsessed with it. It's especially comforting because it incorporates into the story some of the bedtime questions that we already ask every single night at bedtime. So our questions every night are, what was your favorite part of the day? What was something that you didn't like so much? And what do you want to dream about tonight? So it's sort of a more simplified ways of working some gratitude in, giving an opportunity to talk about worries, setting an intention for a good night's sleep. But all those things are in this book already on the pages. Plus there's like little finger mazes to trace and calm down. It's lovely. Yeah, I. it is a really nice book. River also really enjoys it. But the whole sort of trend of like enforcing kids to feel gratitude about stuff is kind of weird to me. Like, I, I don't know. I feel like if you're not feeling grateful, then you're not feeling grateful. You don't have to feel grateful all the time. And I don't know. It just doesn't jive with me. Maybe I'm totally off base, but uh, am I, <laughs> I looking think... at this wrong? <laughs> okay. It's not like, look at all that I've given you, child. Feel grateful. <laughs> it's more about like, 
<laughs> having some contentedness with your life and feeling joy and love for your family and the things that you have or experience. It's not like making your kid thank Aunt Irma for the ugly pajamas that no one would ever want anyway and then forcing them to wear them every single day and say thank you for it. Or like forcing them to thank you consistently for giving them basic human necessities. That's not what it is. It's more like, hey, today we had a lovely day. The sun was shining. We got to go visit a friend. Aren't we thankful for that? Like, it's just, it's a little more simple. It's like a positive mindset thing. It's, you still validate all the other feelings. You just have to work in some positivity. Yeah, that's sort of like the other idea that was in the parents article that I referenced before was like playing a compliment game at bedtime and taking turns complimenting each other and not like, you have nice hair. (laughs) things about who they are as a person, you know, intangible. So you could say, hey, you did some really great problem solving today. And they could say, you gave great hugs and go back and forth and just kind of fill up their love and gratitude cup before they go to sleep. I know, I think we all know how easy it is to get into worry loops and you can just use something like this as kind of a way to interrupt that before bedtime and put everyone at ease. Mm-hmm. I Actually, I would need that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know what? That you put it that way. It does. It makes more sense to me, especially since River especially does get sort of caught in like mental loops mm-hmm. often. And I'm always like, we need to get off of this now. This is not a good place to be mentally right now. So, you know, I think maybe I'll try giving a little more space to positive thinking before bedtime, you know? Nice. Let me know how it goes. I will. (laughs) Anyway, so back to books again. There is um, a few mindfulness, there are a few mindfulness books out there that are quite lovely. Another one is Finding Om from Mango and Marigold Press. The author Rashmi Bismarck is a doctor, which feels very official and reassuring. There's also Follow Your Breath, a kid's first book of mindfulness from Kids Can Press, which is a good starting point. And I should add, both of these titles are in the running for the Books to Gang's Best of 2020 Awards. Yeah, on that note, we should let everyone know more about the Books to Gang Best of 2020 list. So if you aren't already aware, this is our second year judging a Bookstagram award list for the best picture books of the year. Last year was our first year, just this idea that popped out of Allie's incredible brain into the world and she made it real and it was an incredible success. This year is wildly out of control already. We have gotten so many amazing submissions and oh, so many good books. There so many. are some really great books and there are just so many of them. This is a lot bigger than it was last year. Although I do have to say that, yes, I did kind of pop it out of my brain. I was like, let's do this thing. But I probably could not have ever pulled it off if you guys and the whole books gang hadn't. Everybody just sort of pulled up their bootstraps or whatever the the expression <laughs> is and we all furiously judging books in the middle of the night last year and we will probably be doing that again. <laughs> I'm really already living amongst many, many piles of books and also spreadsheets. <laughs> so many spreadsheets. Oh yeah, we all are. I had to rearrange our book piles so they didn't accidentally murder Lee this week because they were like really interfering with our doorway. And yeah. getting in and out. <laughs> we, it, it's amazing though, because I have discovered some 
really beautiful books judging this through this whole judging process that probably we would never have seen. I mean, we literally have hundreds of them, so we probably wouldn't have seen most mm-hmm. of them. And right now, my favorite is Alligator. It's one the kids and I are like totally in love with. And it also works nicely as a bedtime story. It even has a lullaby in it. It's a little bit more of an unconventional bedtime story, though. Are you going to sing the song, Allie? Sing it, yes. sing, sing it, it, sing it, sing it. Sing I, okay, it. all right, all right. Yeah, you didn't have to pull my arm <laughs> that hard. I'm going to be honest. <laughs> so, first of all, context here. It's a book about a town that doesn't want this giant alligator around and a boy that finds him and befriends him by singing it this song. All right. <clears throat> Alligator, go to sleep. People are not good to eat. When you wake, you will be free. Please, please do not eat me. Dream, dream, dream away. Now you're here, you're here to stay. Now you've found a place to be. Thank you for not eating me. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry. I can see them dancing. <laughs> I was holding my fake lighter up for an encore. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, Elliot, you are very soothing. I'm absolutely ready to go to sleep now and not eat people. Mission accomplished. <laughs> so when we started discussing books that have little songs in them amongst our panel of books to gang judges, another best of book came up which was Arlo, The Lion Who Couldn't Sleep. Really cute, beautifully illustrated, and it's a book that has a song in it that the owl sings to the lion to help him sleep. So cute, and Talon, who's Houston Library Finds on Instagram, immediately said that she sang it, the song in the book, every single time. So I asked her, what's the tune to it? And she said she made up a new tune every single time. I haven't figured out one for it yet. I'm a little particular, though. Like, when I read I'll Love You Forever by Robert Munch, I sing it with his tune every single time. We actually all sing it together, snuggled up in bed together. I love it. See, that that book actually causes a lot of controversy, but it, it is a very cute image and of course brings up something that I am most passionate about in the world, the importance of early music. And this is such a huge topic really for me because my specialty is kind of teaching early primary and junior vocal music, which is almost my specialist. Full disclosure, one course away from the official title. There is no pay bump, but that's neither here nor there. So a lot of my teaching experience has been teaching music to mostly kindergartners, but slightly older kids too. And one of the things that I have always done is use picture books as an anchor for teaching music lessons. And one of the best things that you can do is finding books like Arlo or like Alligator or Mortimer the Munch book. So books that have songs written out in the story and preferably no predetermined melody because then you're forced to make up one on the spot and it usually changes unless you're some kind of monster that reads it dry. (laughs) But who does that? Who reads it dry? But (laughs) yes, you have absolutely imparted on us the importance of singing with children on many occasions. I sure have. (laughs) So many. That's that's because to me, singing before kids 
go to bed is key and not and it's something that not everyone feels comfortable doing because they're like maybe subconscious about their voice but I would deeply encourage everyone to throw caution to the wind and you know own your singing voice and be proud of it like body positivity but with your voice so many people suffer from feelings of singing inadequacy and it deeply negatively impacts the ability for a child to get the early musical literacy exposure that they need to become adults who can sing and engage in musical activities. And it also teaches kids that they should never be ashamed of their voice. You know, singing in public should not be embarrassing. I mean, I'm not like opposed to singing to kids necessarily. It's just not the most natural thing. And I don't think it's like self-conscious, It's, but it's not not conscious at all. I will sing a, a little tune, but a whole lullaby isn't exactly my thing, which I think is okay too. Yeah, exactly. Like I just, I need something to go off of. I'm not self-conscious about my voice. I mean, I'm not like a great singer, but it's You're a great singer. You're a good singer. What are you talking what about? Are you, how would you even know? I've heard you <laughs> sing on WhatsApp. I sure have. <laughs> but I need a tune to go off of because my brain, my brain just like doesn't work in the way that makes up a tune, you know, like I will Google a tune in a book <laughs> or like with alligator, I will use your tune forever and always now. But I, I will actually say, I have a tip. When I was a kid and learning to write songs, I had a great music teacher who was also the music teacher to one of the Spice Girls, my claim to fame. But he <laughs> taught us to, yeah, it's true. It's actually true. He couldn't tell you which one because he was like, I don't know. They all have not names. What baby Spice was? Anyways, not the point. The point is that when he was teaching us to make up melodies, he said that a melody is a question and an answer. So you just break it down into something like alligator go to sleep. That's the question. People are not good to eat. That's the answer. Wait, isn't that the question? No, people are not good. People to are eat. not That's good an to eat. Answer. Well, <laughs> in, in a melodic <laughs> phrase, it is the answer. <laughs> See, if I, does anyone know what I'm saying here? Yes, it made I'm sense just, to me. I'm teasing you. I'm teasing you. And, okay. Okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, it was a tangent. I can cut it out. Uh, where was I? I'm definitely uh, not going to cut that part out now. <laughs> it, but it's it's very manageable when you think about it as a question and an answer. You know? I've never heard it broken down like that. And no. it makes sense. It does it make sense. sense. I just right. wanted to make people eating a question. <laughs> it's... Full disclosure, though, my singing voice sounds like the lead singer from that pop punk band, Motion City Soundtrack. So you can just have that in your brains. I don't. All of you former emo kids. I'm gonna have to look them up after. (laughs) Just try it, okay? You know, when you're doing homeschool and you, you know, have a, a text in front of you that should be a song, think questions and answers. You know. What? That's, it's a thing. Okay. So Arlo the Lion book. Yes. Uh, that one also does have a song and maybe I will come up with a tune for it and post it on the Instagram. You know, we'll come up with a hashtag for it. You can all give us your songs, but I, I really do believe that anyone can sing anyone, even my dad, who's, you know, not the, 
the most wonderful singer, but he sings anywhere loudly. And I got to say, definitely rubbed off on me. So he taught me how to sing in his own way. He's going to be delighted when he hears this. And you do not have to be a good singer to teach your kids to sing. Just be proud of yourself and give her. That's give her. it. That's, That's it. it. I'll give you some resources, show notes, etc. Etc. Allie is just off Allie the rails. Else. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> off the rails at this point in the episode. <laughs> like and you know Allie you know that it's not that I don't sing I do and actually I just I just need a prompt for a tune and if you ask my partner he loves it when I sing from the book Almost a Full Moon by Hoxley Workman at bedtime which is the book of a song a very beloved song to me that book gets asked for quite a lot by my kid too I adore it. It's a song that I treasure and my brain has a place to like work with it because I know the tune in my head and it's soothing. And you know, if that one is chosen as one of our three books at bedtime, it's usually the last one. It's the calm down one. Yeah. I mean, I can like sing Rockabye Baby if I have to, because I know it. I don't know why I would have to, uh, be, <laughs> mostly because it's a horrifying song, but <laughs> My mom used to sing me that Crosby, Stills, and Nash song, Woodstock, when I was little, and it was like my favorite song to hear. And she also always talks about how one time I told her that she sang it better than the original people, and she like really holds on to that compliment forever. So (laughs) I have like happy, soothing memories of some songs, but they aren't necessarily traditional. Jansy's the best. She is. And, and you know what? Whatever works. Just sing it to your kids. My kids really like Linkin Park. Sing it. Do it. So important. <laughs> That's a choice. <laughs> they like rocking out. I, look, I just, I love, I facilitate. I'm a facilitator. Good. That's right. Notice. Okay. So I actually asked on Instagram what people's favorite bedtime stories are to get back onto the book track. Several people had similar answers. There was a lot of very nostalgic classics in there. A few of those super duper fluffy Nancy Tillman titles were in there. All the World by Liz Garton Scanlon came up several times, which somehow I've never read. But anyway, there was one controversial one that came up. Good night, Moon. And this was, I think, the second ever librarian fight club. People have strong feelings on this book. Very strong. I was surprised. Like, actually, all I did was ask, what's your favorite bedtime read? And I literally got someone saying, not Goodnight Moon. <laughs> like, there's some passion <laughs> behind that. And I kind of agree with it. I do not like Goodnight Moon. Why do we got to say goodnight to a bowl of mush? Because every toddler actually does this, right? Who and, has a bowl of mush? <laughs> I mean, like, if you had a bowl of mush, and we might. My kids really like oatmeal before bed. But my toddler loved this one. Loved it. But River hates it with a fiery burning passion. So, again, divisive. I'm with River on this one. I yeah. am not a fan of Goodnight Moon. It feels like a drawn-out attempt at not going to bed. And just a wild color scheme. Uh, it's just too much. <laughs> I think I'm sure we have some annoyed parents standing by at all of those stall attempts. I mean, it's a classic. It's Margaret Wise Brown. And you can't knock Margaret Wise Brown down. Also, Noodle Nuts Classic did tell me that for the time it came out, those colors were top of the line. I, I'm not doubting that, but it's still wild. 
re-illustrate it. Anyway, I appreciate Margaret Wise Brown. She's family. But this one is just not for me. I couldn't get rid of her copy fast enough. On the note of what Corey said, there is a book, another book coming up for our best of 2020 words that is about going to bed and maybe stalling a bit, but it's so charming. It's Bedtime for Sweet Creatures by Nikki Grimes from Source Book Kids, Stone Voices. It's so beautifully illustrated and it's utterly charming. Oh, it's such a super sweet book, and I love all the different animal mentions. It's the epitome of a kid trying not to go to sleep, but a mother having an answer for every attempt to stay awake, and I really like the illustrations. I liked it. It was poetic uh, in like a modern, like poetry slammy kind of way, you know, not in like a traditional, you know, iambic pentameter rhyming kind of way, and I really loved the toddler's facial expressions. They really mirror willows who does all of these things including climbing into bed with me at 3 a.m <laughs> i really like the low-key real life parent moments like that in the book it was very sweetly worked in I, and like we've now all said three times it's just a beautiful book illustration <laughs> um <laughs> moving on before we go i think we need to mention that sometimes books tackle the idea of fears around bedtime or like monsters under the bed and that can be a little alarming one we got grovel Trops is about a kid not for this year, but for last year's award, who's scared of going to bed because there's a monster named Grobble Chops that will come into his room and his dad is just trying to talk him down and be like, it's cool. And it's meant to be soothing, but the reactions I've gotten from it when I read it to kids are quite mixed. So I, my own kids sometimes like it, but then sometimes they're like, this is creepy, put it away, please. So it's got this kind of creepy, not totally soothing vibe. I don't know. We kind of want a gentle, soothing, nothing with yelling or extreme fear. Books that work great in the daytime, they do not transition well to the nighttime always. Yeah, like a book like Grobble Chops, I would usually reserve a book like that for when that fear pops up to kind of make light of it. But I have to say that particular book, it just didn't work for us. My small human was absolutely terrified of the cover of that book, which is not what we're looking for at bedtime. Yeah, no, that's not what you want at all. (laughs) Overall, though, I think it takes quite a bit to make a routine that's both calming and beneficial for everyone. You have to work on it and find what works best for your family. I don't think I'm super qualified for bedtime advice, but I have rubbed many little backs during quiet rest time in a classroom so they'll fall asleep. Getting their little minds ready for sleep is key. I mean, I need to do a lot to fall asleep, so I can't blame kids for needing that too. And yeah, I think that's exactly it. They're small humans. We need lots of love and calm brains to get to sleep and kids are no different. My favorite part of the day is when the three of us snuggle into bed and read together and then go through our evening questions and talk about what we will dream about. And like, I hope that that's a memory that lasts for him along with all those bedtime stories. Oh, when you said three of us, I thought you meant us three. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Wouldn't that be so sweet? I wish we could. (laughs) Post-pandemic. Photo shoot. Post-pandemic, we're having bedtime stories together, all three of us. My God, yes, please. (laughs) Okay, we really should be all getting to bed, though. Allie, will you sing us a lullaby after this, though? I will. But I want to invite our friends on Instagram to please sing us their favorite lullabies and tag us at Picture Books Gang.
I love that idea. So that's all for today for the Picture Books to Gang podcast. We hope you found some great bedtime reads today. Everything we talked about will be linked in the show notes as always. You can follow us on Instagram at Picture Books to Gang. And be sure to hit that subscribe button on your favorite podcast service, including Apple, Google, Spotify, and Amazon Music. Be sure to leave us a note on our Instagram page and let us know, what are you reading? Do, do, do.